fewer things can sound as beautiful as God's people singing God's praise. I'm so thankful that He does accept us as we are. Amen? Amen. But He doesn't leave us that way. And I'm so thankful for that as well. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. If you have been saved for a period of time, perhaps you can recall a day when your faith was strengthened, made strong by something that took place in your life. Perhaps it was a difficult day, a a dark time, health, perhaps even the death of a loved one. But you look back on those days and you see how your faith just went through a rigorous exercise Perhaps even some would maybe call it boot camp of faith. Well, we're going to take a look this morning at the ending portion of Hebrews chapter number 10. And last week, as we were looking, we kind of got this uh, spanking, so to speak, from the Word of God. But the preacher does something beautiful here. He follows the spanking up with a charge. So I want you to look with me, starting in verse number 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, and after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, And he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I want you to note a couple verses here. Look with me at verse 35 again. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. And then drop down to verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be in your house, to be able to read aloud your word to be able to sing aloud Your praises. We do not take that lightly, Father. We want our praise to be genuine and our worship of You to be in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, we come before You today asking You to inspect us. And, Father, that if there's any of us that perhaps the 
fire has begun to dwindle, has begun, begun to fade away, that God, you would rekindle that in our very bones, that we would run well the race that is set before us patiently because we have our eyes fixed on you. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's, uh, it's a, a guarantee that if you want a muscle strengthened, you need to exercise it. You know, uh, many people, they, I can remember when I was young and had muscles in my earlobes as well. I remember the day where I had my six-pack. I had those 15-inch biceps. I gave up the six-pack so that I could have one large one. But I can promise you something, as we all know and as we all understand, if you want a muscle to be strengthened, it does not happen by some miraculous uh, accidental cause. It requires the strenuous exercise, it requires effort, it requires purpose, it requires us to do something uh, in order to see that strengthened and see that grow. For us to sit around on the couch watching TV, and we may even watch the sports channel, it's not going to grow our muscles. We can even belong to a gym and go to the gym every day and watch people exercise. It's not going to affect us in the least bit. If we want our muscles to grow, they need to be exercised. The same is true of faith. Think back to when your faith grew the strongest. What happened? It's rare that you're going to find an occasion where faith was strengthened because everything was just so-so. You're going to find a few times where faith was strengthened by sitting around doing nothing. Your faith is strengthened when you endure hardship. Notice what is said here in verse number 32 because he brings it right off of the heels of what he talked about last week as far as this idea of willful sin. It's, it's, not, it's not logical for the child of God to reject God's Word and God's Son. It's not a logical thing. For someone to call themselves a born-again believer, for someone to call themselves a child of God, yet ignore and reject His Word, His teachings, and His Son is not in keeping with logic. It doesn't make sense. We looked at that very closely. But the preacher does something beautiful right here. Because I, I don't know about you, but there have been many times where I have sat under preaching and I have walked away rubbing my backside because that spanking really hurt. But then he follows it up with something in 32. He says, but call to remembrance the former days in which ye were illuminated. Ye endured a great fight of afflictions, 
partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, even knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. I want you to notice something that he's, he's doing here. He's calling them to reminder. It, it, this, this passage is almost as if uh, the, a, 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 a ball team, maybe it's a basketball team or what have you, has been playing a game and they haven't really been giving their all. They haven't really been doing and playing to the top of their ability. And it's, it's halftime, right? And halftime comes along. The coach, he's been pacing up and down the foul line. He's been watching. He's not happy with the outcome. And the, the guy Guys are in the locker room, they're cutting up, they're behind by 20 points, they're having a good old time, they're just making jokes, they're in the locker room, and the and the coach comes in and says, you all are better than this. That's almost what you get. And if you've ever been in that locker room, I've been in that locker room, I've been the player and I've been the coach in that locker room. And it can be a, a, a rude awakening, and it's just kind of a wake-up call to, it's time to get it right. Then he goes into the pep talk portion of it. I got your attention, he says. I woke you up. Now let me give you a pep talk. This is beautiful. He reminds them of what was. Now, what I want you to kind of think uh, along in your mind is the time in your uh, in your past, perhaps as a child of God, that you can remember your faith that was and it was stronger. Do you remember a time like that? Do you remember a time in your life when your faith was stronger? If you can remember a time when your faith was stronger yesterday than it is today, it's time for us to wake up. The last time we noticed the warning, and I believe the preacher is wise in the way he is coming about his, uh, his message here. He gives the wake-up call, but he also understands and he realizes that there are all types within the congregation that he is preaching to. He realizes that in the congregation that he is addressing that there are people who are saved, born again, and pushing and striving for the mastery. He also understands that there are people who are unsaved, do not know Christ as their personal Savior. He understands that there are people in the audience that perhaps they think they're saved. He understands that there are people in there that are saved and becoming stagnant. He understands that there's this entire group of people, but he says something beautiful here. He says, hey, 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 I want you to remember. He says, go back to the day when you were once enlightened. In other words, go back to the day where the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ became something real to you. This ought to be something that you and I should do right now. Remember the day when Christ became real. Remember the day when it wasn't just a story any longer. It wasn't what mom and dad believed anymore. It wasn't what somebody on the radio was telling you. It wasn't what your spouse really liked, but it was real to you. And you can remember that time where Jesus became so real to you. And then you went through some problems. 
Notice what he's reminding them of. Call to remembrance the four days in which after you were illuminated, you endured great fight of affliction. Well, pastor, I don't remember anybody trying to kill me after I got saved. Was everybody comfortable with the decisions you were making? I'm here to tell you, I had to lose every contact when I decided it was enough of living for myself and it was time to live for Christ. I had to say goodbye to all the people that I hung out with, all the people that I knew. I was utterly alone. And then to top it off, God led me to a job working third shift in a tool crib at an airport by myself all night long, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., no one around me, sitting there at a computer, cataloging tools. Oh, how fun. Some people are like, that sounds like a great opportunity. (laughs) Not for this hyperactive mind. But you know what it did? It put me in a position to where the only thing I had around me was this book. I didn't have any friends calling me anymore. They wanted me to go out drinking with them, and I said, I don't drink anymore. They don't want me out there anymore. Fun time Andy was dead. Somebody different, and I don't like this new different guy. You're on your own. But I can remember days where my friends, so-called, would challenge me. They would invite me out in the hopes to get me to fall back to what I was doing. I I remember the struggle. I remember the loneliness. And I remember saying, all right, Lord, I don't know anybody at this church. I don't know anything at this church. I don't know anybody. The closest family member I have is three hours away. But I'm just going to get in there and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to surround myself with the things of Christ. It was a difficult day. I had a lot of people making up a lot of stuff about me. I had lost my mind. Now, for some people, it goes even further than that. Some people have lost spouses over the, over the, uh, the gospel's sake. Some people have lost family. Their family has turned their back on them and says, I don't want you around me if you're going to go this direction. You are dead to me. When we go back here into the book of Hebrews, apparently some of these people were even imprisoned. He says, you had, you, you, you uh, uh, took part in my bonds. He's loaded what he says in verse 34. You had compassion of me in my bonds. In other words, they too had, uh, had taken part in this possibly. Some of them may have been arrested and imprisoned for their faith. Not only that, see there in verse uh, 24. You took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing that in yourselves that you have a better and an enduring substance. He notes their attitude in this. And he says, you took it joyfully. The spoiling. Now, I want you to be careful with something here. He doesn't just skirt over things. He says, I want you to go back to the time when it became real, and then I want you to go back to the time where you stood in the face of affliction. Why is he doing that? Because I believe he could see that there were some who were growing stagnant. 
Their faith was strong at one point in time. Their faith was strong at one stage of their life. Their faith was strong and they, they believed, but then comfort set in. Things got easy. I want you to be careful not to mistake comfort for confidence. A lot of people do this. Many lose their confidence when they become comfortable. Comfortable. Think about it for just a minute. There's a lot of folks that they become comfortable. And, you know, when you are down here at the bottom of the barrel, and I've been there. If you've been there, you understand what I'm saying. You've been all the way down at the bottom. You have nothing. You have lost everything. And the only way you can, the only place, the only direction you can look is up. God likes us when we start looking up. And what we, we, when we're down here, we surround ourselves. We engross ourselves in the word of God. We listen. If we're going to turn the radio on, by golly, it's, it's going to be preaching. It's going to be, it's going to be testimonies. It's going to be Christian music. We've got ourselves surrounded with this stuff. We're in church every time the doors are open. But as soon as I start to make my way out of that, out of that ditch and I start to get back up on the mountaintop, I'm way up here and I'm praising the Lord and I'm saying everything's good. And then I start to make my way back down and I'm like, I'm comfortable. I don't need to go as often anymore. I used to read my Bible a whole lot. I don't read it as much anymore. Well, when I read it so much, you know, life was really difficult and I needed it back then. You ever said that? You ever thought that? If you can say it was stronger then than it is today, you're on your way down. I promise you. But he wants to take them back. Why is he taking them back? Because he wants them to realize that only God can satisfy, only God can provide, only God can fulfill, only God can sustain. Next, notice what he, he gives to us here. He gives to us an exposure of what is needed. He reminds him of what was. Now he says, here's what you need. Look at verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye had done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I, I want you to notice something. Faith and patience go hand in hand. Faith and patience all through Scripture are melded together. They are, they are one together. When I trust God, I can patiently wait on His timing. If I can't patiently wait on His timing, it's because I don't trust God. Now, here's, here's where we kind of get, get to a, a little peek into what's going on with this. How is it that we get our faith built back up again? We may say, well, I remember a day when my faith was stronger. And pastor, I want my faith to be strong like that again. How do I do it? I'm glad you asked. The preacher now turns to what they need, and he rejoices in their past victories, but reminds them that they need to continue on the same footing. What was it that got you through that difficult time? My job didn't get me through that difficult time. God used my job 
to get me to where I had no one else around me. I believe wholeheartedly God allowed me to find that specific job. I believe he led me to that job because he knew what I needed was not a bunch of other voices around me. The only voice he wanted me to hear for a good long while was that of his son. That's what got me through. What got me through that difficult time was not being surrounded by my family because my family, they're a good Christian family. Don't get me wrong. I love my parents. I love my grandparents. I love, I love my family. Don't get me wrong. But what I needed was Jesus. I needed him. That's what strengthened my faith. I can remember times in my life, and I go back to these times, and I'm reminded what got me through that difficult day, what got me through that difficult hour. Jesus, that's what got me through. And so here the writer of of Hebrews, uh, he, he says, don't mistake in the comfort for confidence. He says, don't throw it away. You see that in verse number 35? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. In other words, where did you get this? How did you become confident enough to stand up? Not only were you afflicted, but you were willing to lock arms and stand alongside those who were afflicted. How did you get that confidence? Don't throw it away, he says. You see, these Hebrew believers were starting to defect, not so much away from, uh, away from what they said as much as what they were showing. They were going back to these temple sacrifices. You see, they had, they had come to a place where they knew Jesus Christ. They'd come to trust him as Lord and Savior. And they had, they had suffered great things. They were standing firm on that belief in Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus was who he claimed to be and would one day come back. But now things were starting to get a little easier. And so they started to think to themselves, maybe we need to add something to it. Through the years, I have seen many start out very strong with what they need. But then down the road, they move on to what they want. Think about this. I got saved, and I grew up in a good, solid church, but I wanted a church that did this instead. I wanted a church that had this instead. I had a good, solid church, but I found a good opportunity for me to make more money, so I up and left that church. There's a lot of people that do that. You know, we think about opportunities that are presented to us if it causes for us to leave the things that we have that we know we need, it's not a godly opportunity. Well, I got, a, I got an opportunity here that it's going to take me away from spending as much time in the Word of God. Hello, that's not from God. Well, I believe God led this individual to me. Well, does that individual make you more like Christ? No, then God didn't lead that individual to you. Well, I, I believe that 
I believe God wants me to do this or to do that. Is that going to make you more like Christ? Is it going to encourage your walk with him? No, but I can still be a Christian and do it. Wrong answer. You see, these Hebrew believers were going back to the sacrifices. And by indications, it would appear that they had grown stale. And so this faith and patience thing coming together, rather than them jumping around to, we need to find something else to improve that emotion. And I remember how it felt when I would go to the temple and make sacrifices. I remember how it felt. You know, there's some people that honestly, they feel that they can't worship God unless they're in some Gothic cathedral. I can't worship God unless I'm sitting in a pew. I can't worship God unless, wait a minute. You're looking for something else. Just look for him. Just look for him. You see, here's the thing. Things change continually. You're working hard, you, you, there's a car that you want. And, oh, I can't wait to get this car, and I've, I've been wanting this car for so long, and I'm going to buy this car, and I buy that car. And guess what? The next day, a prettier one comes out. Mark it down. I remember when they brought those challengers back out. I thought, ooh, that's nice. I, man, I'd like to get a hold of a challenger. Ooh, man, that's pretty. Then they redid the Corvette. I never really cared for a Corvette. But you seen these new Corvettes? Holy cow pies. Man, now that, that's a nice car. Guess what? Next year, something better is going to come out. But you know what never changes? This book right here. You know who never changes? Your Savior. Bosses come and go. Listen, ladies, just look at who you married. We change. You all still look the same as the day we met you. It's amazing. We get old and ugly. Y'all just, my wife's still 21. I don't understand it. Don't get it. We change. Don't find your confidence in what changes. And as much as you love that little boy, little girl, they're going to grow up, and you ain't going to be daddy no more. There's going to come a day when you're dad. You ain't going to be mommy no more. You're going to be, mom. And then there's going to come a day where they're going to move out. Things are going to change but he never does, never does. And you need to have that patience to wait on him. What is it to wait on him? Well, (laughs) I know things around me are going to change, but this doesn't, so I'm going to stay right here. That's about as simple as we can make it, isn't it? What is it to wait? That is to sit still, and no. This is how you sit still and no. Focus on what he has to show us. Focus on what he has to present. Quit looking for something else 
to bring you confidence. Then he encourages us to press on toward what will come. Look at verse 37 with me. We're going to tie these thoughts together. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Uh, Can I just give you this one real quick before we read the rest of that? God's timeline is set. He's not putting off his coming until another day. Now, this can be a comfort and it can be a warning. I've heard people say things like this, you know, well, if the Lord tarries his coming, will no, 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 no. He ain't going to put it off. He knows when he's coming. He knows when he's coming. We may want to think he'll put it off for us, but that's not the truth, my friend. He knows the day. He knows the hour. He is omniscient. He is outside of time. He has that moment when he knows he will look and say, Gabriel, blow the horn and everything will stop. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That's the Lord. That should be a comfort for those who are born again by the Spirit of God. That's what he uses here. He says, knowing that you have something better coming, but it should also be a warning for anyone who is delaying in coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is a time. He's not putting it off. He will not tarry. He is coming back. Are you ready? You're not promised tomorrow. See, I love the reminder here that he gives a little while. And he will come. Let's go ahead and keep reading verse 37 now into 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. (laughs) You ready for this? But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. You remember the spanking we got? Now he is it he he pulls us in like a father. I know better things of you. You remember back in chapter six we went through something similar? He says, But I know better things of you. You see, the preacher, he he delivers the difficult. He says, Hey, it's not logical for this to, this type of thing to happen. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. But I know we are not like that. I know we are not going to reject Jesus. I know we are not going to neglect his word. I know we are not going to grow stagnant in our faith. I know we are not going to allow ourselves to continue to live lives that are just so, so. We're going to press forward. Embracing Jesus with everything we have. We're not like them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. This is an interesting statement that is made here in verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. 
This is quoting from Habakkuk chapter number 2, verses 3 and 4. Now, if you've read your Bible for any amount of time, you know that this is not the only place that this statement is used. Look back with me, if you would, at Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now jump over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3. Look at Galatians chapter number 3, and uh, look at verse number 9 with me. We'll start there. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse of the law, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law, and to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now we find ourselves back into the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I wanted you to see the three different areas because each of these three moments emphasize a different portion of that statement. In the book of Romans, that, that, that phrase, the just shall live by faith, the emphasis is on the just will live by faith. Now, the, when you jump over to the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, the emphasis is on the just shall live by faith. And so faith is the emphasis there. But right here in the book of Hebrews, we have a third emphasis in mind. The just shall live by faith. The emphasis here in the book of Hebrews is not on the just, not on the faith, but on how the just live by faith. As we get into the next portion of this book in chapter number 11, we're going to find now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the, uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is what is real. It is evidential. The thing that is not seen is what we say we believe in, but what is seen is our faith. This is how our life is lived. The just live this way. We live by faith. I may not understand what is going on in my life, but I do know God's word is true, so I can bank on that. I may not understand how the Bible tells me not to forsake the assembling of ourselves uh, together as the manner of some is. I, I don't see how I can get enough hours in the week, yeah, but I guess I'll go because I believe God says I need to be strengthened as iron sharpens iron. I need to be there amongst my brothers and sisters in Christ. I understand, I, you know, oh my goodness, I'm not going to be able to get everything done today. I've got too much on my plate. I don't have time to read the Word of God, but I do know this. 
God says I need him. So if that means I've got to lose a couple extra hours of sleep so that I can spend time in his word, I live by faith. The question is as to whether or not you and I are truly living this way. Or is our faith found in how many hours we get in at work? Is our faith on what, uh, what somebody says on social media? Is our faith based on what certain news uh, media outlets let us know? Is our faith based on what we think and what we feel as far as our bank account is concerned? Is our faith based on what our friends and our family want us to do? Or is our faith founded in him? What do you trust for tomorrow? If tomorrow you got up and you had no more job, is your world over? If tomorrow you woke up and your health was gone, is there nothing for you? If tomorrow you woke up and your children were no longer with you, has your life just come to a screeching halt? If tomorrow you got up and you did not have the use of your legs, what is your faith in? You see, the writer of Hebrews, he believes positively. And he says, I don't think that that's going to be said of us. He says, you're better than that. You claim the name of Christ. Don't slow down. I want you to note just a couple things in application here. There is never, never a time for us to slow down. I want you to get this. Get this. The questions come into play. Does your life today reveal a life lived in faith in Jesus Christ? Does your life today reveal that? If we just looked at, my daughter was asking me about this earlier this week. If we just looked at your schedule, would it reveal your faith is found in your workplace, in your home, in your spouse, in your athletics, or in Jesus Christ? Just looking at your schedule, 169 hours a week. Let's look at your bank account and what you spend, spent money on the past week. Does it reveal faith in your doctor, your groceries? What does it reveal your faith is in? Where's your confidence this morning? As long as I have this, I know I'm going to be okay. Is it your children? Is it your spouse? Is it your job? Is it your grandchildren? Is it your deer stand? I don't know. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. 
I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But I wholly, not partially, not mostly, wholly lean on Jesus' name. The writer of Hebrews finishes things off by reminding them there's never a time that the believer should slow down in their pursuit of faith. You see what he says there at the end? <laughs> the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. <laughs> but we are not of them that draw back. So run. That's what he's saying. Have you drawn back this morning? Have you started to let go a little bit? You can remember a time when you needed Jesus a whole lot more than you need Him today. Then, my friend, it's time for you and it's time for me to get back on our knees before a thrice holy God and remember where our confidence truly is found. It's not found in the White House, I can tell you that much. No matter who's there. It doesn't matter. Your faith cannot be found there. If it is, you'll be faithless every so many years. It's found in Him. Sweet Jesus, we are thankful. Thankful that You do not leave us with a lot of unknowns. You do not leave us wondering what's true and what's not. But You give to us, Father, Your Word. You give to us everything that we need, everything that pertains to life and godliness in Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we can find Him within the pages of this book. Father, we believe that. And so those of us who claim to believe it, Father, would you remind us regularly of our dependence on you? Expose to us, Father, wherever it is that we've been putting our attention, whatever we have been finding our confidence in, would you remind us that's not the resting place. Would you remind us, Father, of what strengthened our faith and drive us back to that? Father, we pray these things because we truly do want to glorify You. We do want, Lord, to, to be completely engrossed in You and to reveal to You to others in this world. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Stand with me if you would with head still bowed and eyes still closed. Perhaps you're here this morning and you, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt 
that you've been putting trust in the wrong things. You've been finding your confidence in a relationship or a job site 